Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Everything sounds good. Hey, everyone. This is David here. Welcome to Light the Fight, to one of our DM episodes. And I'm riding solo again today. I'm, I'm missing Heidi. She's, uh, again, spending some quality family time. So we're missing her right now, but we're very thankful that she's out having fun with her family. And also, it's not just all play. She's doing a lot of work, too. So um, thank you for joining us here at Light the Fight. And thank you for submitting all your questions to Light the Fight, um, specifically questions that are personal to you and things that um, you would like some answers to, or at least some insight and different ways to approach it, or as I like to say, suggestions and ideas. So today we uh, picked a, a couple of episodes. We're going to record one right now, and we'll record another one after that. But the first episode we chose was from a mother. And the question that she was asking is this. What do you say or do when your kid want, kids want to quit? My fear is in saying, okay, you have to decide if you can keep going or you want to quit because that is just feeding their lazy and, okay, trying to make a little fragment here, uh, feeding their laziness and especially the 10-year-old, he will for sure say, okay, I want to quit. So it sounds like she's saying if I give him the option, how do I give him the option? Because the one kid for sure will say, okay, I want to quit. And she says, ugh, I know that piano isn't a big deal. So it sounds like she's wanting her son to play piano. But everyone regrets quitting. So how can I continue to encourage him or deal with it myself if he does decide to quit without getting upset? Rant over. Well, thank you for the question. And someone tell a little story. This question, part of the reason why I chose it, this mother did not know this about me, but when I was a young lad, a little wee youngin, I too took piano lessons. However, it was not my choice to take piano lessons. So let me tell you the story. So I'm at Magnolia Elementary School. That was elementary school in Carlsbad, California that I went to. And I remember one day, my mom picked me up, probably like third grade, second or third grade. And she picks me up in the car and she said, I got a big surprise for you. And I was like, you do? She's like, yeah. She's like, I'm going to take you to Yamaha lessons. I go, Yamaha? And I kind of like thought about it. And the only word I'd ever heard of Yamaha was a motorcycle bike. And I'd known this because one of my friends had a motorcycle, a dirt bike. It was a Yamaha. Now, I was completely blown away. I don't think the word motorcycle or dirt bike had ever come out of my mom's mouth. I had never shared I had interest with, in dirt biking. To this day, I've never ridden a dirt bike in my whole entire life. And I thought it was really weird. I'm like, why is my mom taking me to dirt biking lessons? But she said, does that sound cool and something you'd want to do? 
I go, uh, yeah, I mean, I was kind of curious, Mike, my friend that rides is pretty cool. And I, my things that I thought were cool were two things. Well, two non-sport things, surfing and skateboarding. To me, that was cool. Where I'm from, if you surf and you skateboard, you were cool. Not boogie boarding, surfing. Sorry for all those boogie boarders out there. <laughs> so I'm sitting here thinking going, Yamaha, okay, sure, I'll try it. So we get in the car and we're driving. And I'm just kind of sitting there, you know, it's a normal Southern California day, cruising around, la, la, la. And then she starts going through the little village area of our town and start making some twists and turns. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, I thought we we're going to go to motorcycle lessons. She was heading towards the beach. Last time I checked, I had never seen anyone riding motorcycles or doing lessons of motorcycles down by the beach. And there was nowhere to do it at. There was no open area. And in my mind, I'm like, why, is not, why isn't she driving east on the 78 towards like Escondido or Temecula or all these places where you could open land or ride dirt bikes? And we pull down this back street. And man, I, I can just like it was yesterday. I know the street like the back of my hand. And we pull up on the side of this building and we stop. And she goes, okay, let's go. I'm like, or I go, do I need to get out of the car? I'm like, why don't you just go? And she's like, no, we're here. And I go, wait, I thought you were running an errand. She goes, no, we're here at your Yamaha lessons. I go, Yamaha lessons? What are you talking about? I go, I don't see any motorcycles. Now, my my mother in Slash, if you've listened to any of other episodes, she's my biological grandmother. At this time, her accent was still pretty strong from the Hawaiian Islands. And if you've ever been to Hawaii, they have this thing called broken English or pigeon as they call it. And it always came out strong when my mom got really mad. That's when she, during the day, I always say, my mom used to pretend to be white and proper during the day. But if she got mad, she started saying stuff like, oh, give me that kind of Like you could not understand her if you weren't familiar with that language. And right when I asked her, I said, I don't see any motorcycles around here. She goes, what? Motorcycle? Well, who tell you nothing about the motorcycle? I ain't going to tell you no motorcycle. Motorcycle? We talking motorcycle. And I said, well, you said we're going to Yamaha lessons. She goes, Oh, son, it's not motorcycle. It's piano, son. We're going to take piano lessons, me and you. Okay, son? And I just went, what? Oh, hell no. I was like, no. And I remember when I said, oh, hell no, she looked at me like, if it was any other scenario, all joking aside, because it's not funny, she probably would have came up side my forehead. She probably would have smacked me upside the head for saying that. But my mom really wanted me to take these piano lessons. She knew if she hit me, she couldn't start a Yamaha lesson with a big handprint across my face. Even in those days, child abuse wasn't reported too often. That would have looked a little suspicious and me crying coming in the front door. So she looked at me, she said, I don't care, we're going in there. She grabbed my arm, she pulled me and we turned the corner. I realized we're in the back of the music store in the local, in, in the neighborhood, right? I'm going, oh no, so we go in there. So Yamaha had, had, Yamaha had this program where parents and kids would learn how to take piano together. Well, many years later, I found out, well, a couple years later, I found out that my mom was supposed to take piano lessons when she was a little girl. Her mom paid a neighbor or someone in the in, in Laia, North Shore of Hawaii, paid this woman, and my mom every day was supposed to go to piano lessons after school. Apparently, the woman was just doing us a favor and there's a bunch of other kids there. Well, my mom never went. She went one time and ditched and went to the beach to go swimming and surfing the ocean. This was what I would have done. So she told me, she goes, son, all those years, my whole entire life, I regretted never playing the piano. And when I found out that I could learn how to play the piano, 
but I could get your dad to pay for it if you were going to learn how to play the piano because we didn't have a lot of money. It was a two-in-one. I could learn the piano. We could do something together and bond, and it would be great. The problem was I didn't want to learn how to play the piano, and I had no desire. So I'm playing football. I'm acting all macho. I'm surfing, skating. This was a huge damage to my rep on the street, and I was not having it. However, I wasn't really able to say no to my mom. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. Mostly fear was my main reason. So I take these piano lessons for three years. I was in a recital in front of like 300 people doing a solo, crying my eyes out right before I walked out on stage and crying my eyes out right when I got off the stage. And it wasn't because I was nervous. It's because I was embarrassed that I was playing the piano and I'm not a piano guy. Like that just wasn't me. And my friends talked trash to me because it was the one thing they had on me that they knew they could talk trash to me. Because at this time of my life, I had a big ego. My brothers were playing in the NFL. It just wasn't in, it wasn't in my even imagination. So my friends were giving me a hard time. So I was crying up on stage. So I go into the first lesson, pretty tearful, pretty, I can't believe I'm doing this. And every single time, twice a week, we're learning piano. And I'm playing, I'm doing a couple of recitals, doing these different types of things. And I just started looking at my mom with the most, with the utmost resentment. I remember my childhood, my mom was, she was kind of a savior to me. Well, literally she was a savior to me because she raised me and took me in as her own. Because remember I said, this is my grandmother. But this was the first time I really started to like question if, if this was going to work out, what I mean was I was telling her, mom, I don't want to play the piano. Don't want to play the piano. She'd say tough, deal with it. And then the next day she'd come and say, oh, son, look at this. Bah. And I just knew that it was for her own reason. She told me all these other reasons, but it was the first time I started to use my eyebrow and I started to lift my eyebrow going, I do not think it is the reason you say it is mom. Now I didn't say this to her. But guess what happened after that? I lost trust in her and I started to question a lot of things that she was asking me to do. I started to question, why am I doing these things? And I would get no answers from her, except you need to do it. And then when I started it, she's like, well, you're doing it for six months. You don't want to quit. Going back to our question from uh, the listener. Finally, I must have worn her down. She got tired of me being in a bad mood and me being grumpy and her having to slap me and hit me. And it, it got violent and physical a lot of times because of these piano issues. And she finally just let it go. We never talked about it until a couple years after that's when she told me that was the reason why. And I remember I was a teenager at the time. I said, Mom, I said, you should have just taken the piano lessons on your own. You, you want to play the piano? I go, I didn't want to play the piano. So, you know, that was a learning lesson for me. And in answering this question... And the reason why I went off on that long story was because the lesson that I learned at that particular time was very simple. I actually was interested in music, but it was the guitar. I begged her, can I please play the guitar instead? She said, no, you learn how to read music. Everybody starts out with piano, you have to do that. Well, I'd ask some people around, my uncles, because a lot of Polynesian males play the guitar, they play the ukulele. 
And they said, no, nah, I don't know how to play the piano. I just picked up the guitar and started playing it. So even though I wanted to play the guitar, I had this angry feeling inside of me against doing like hard things, specifically musical hard things or anything my mom wanted me to do. So when my mom wanted me to do the homework, I was like, I didn't like it because she wanted me to do it. When my mom wanted me to do anything that I didn't want to do, I questioned why I had to do it. And I, I realized that a big part of it really happened during this piano time because she was forcing me against my will. Now, I'm not saying this question is the exact same scenario, but in answering that question, this woman said, what do I say or do when my kids want to quit? My fear is that if I let them quit, they're going to become lazy. And if I give them that option, they'll take it every single time. Well, we've talked about this on a couple different uh, episodes here. And I'm going to illustrate this again and then suggest something for this mother or someone, anyone in this situation. It goes back to curiosity. Curiosity. Okay. The other night, took my kids to see Smallfoot. And there is one uh, quote in Smallfoot that really, really uh, made me start thinking. They were trying to keep, oh, I guess I want to do spoiler alerts. Okay, I won't say what it is. But basically what the one of the lead characters said, he said, the only thing more powerful than fear is curiosity. Think about that for a second. How many times have we been scared to death of doing something? But over time, or maybe at that moment, we're so curious of what the feeling of doing that would be like, we overcame our fear. The first thing that comes to mind with me is when I jumped off a very high cliff at Lake Powell on a you know little summer trip with a bunch of friends that everybody else was scared to jump off of. But I saw one person do it, and I was really curious. I got up there. I was about to jump. Me and my friends like, one, two, three, go. We'd both stop. One, two, three, go. We'd stop. But something about when I looked down, I'm like, man, that seems like an adrenaline rush, and I finally went for it. So... I don't think it's a perfect science. Every time curiosity is strong than fear, but curiosity has the ability to break through fears. I want each and every one of you parents to spark your child's curiosity in you and the things you're asking them to do. I don't think it's about piano in this woman's case. I don't think it's about the actual thing that you're asking them to do. I think they're wondering and trying to decide if they can trust that you can guide and direct them in a place where they're going to be allowed to have curiosity and at the same time, they're going to have your safety, comfort, and security that you're going to be there for them if the curiosity does not pan out the way they thought it'd be, or the way they thought it would happen. So to all you parents out there, specifically to this mother, here's what I'd suggest you do with your kid. Now, you don't have to say these exact same words, but again, it is some core principles we talk about here on Light the Fight. It is using sp specific statements tapping into their curiosity and building a trusting relationship with your kid or in this case, preteen, so that they're able to be curious about what it is they could do versus be suspicious of why you're asking them to do it. So instead of them thinking, my mom's asked me to do this because she wants control and she thinks this is important to me, they could think like, all right, well, I don't have to do something but my mom is suggesting me to do something. And if I don't like 
what she's suggesting, then she's going to tell me to come up with some things that I would like to do. I think learning should be a choice. And I think if we choose to learn things, then it leads us down another path. And we might be curious in learning information that we had no idea we'd be interested in. Kids can learn how to be interested in engineering when all they want to do is work on a car. People can be um, interested in learning how to write when all they want to do was write their own blog. Come to find out, they find out they have a talent in it and then college years come around, they're like, you know, maybe I'll get into creative writing. There's lots of pathways we take, but I believe the most important choice we have to make on our own is the first choice. So parents, I suggest you give your kids at least two choices. So in this case, you would... I would present like this. Use little Tommy. Hopefully Tommy's not your kid's name. <laughs> little Tommy, you want him to play piano. So instead of saying, hey, I want you to play piano. I played piano. Your dad played piano. Like we're a piano family. It's what we do. I would suggest sparking their curiosity and going to them and say, hey, you know what? We play piano. I like piano. And I would love it if you played piano. But I'll tell you what. I just want you to do something where you're having fun, but also having some ability to work hard at something and get better at something and, and be challenged and, and try to figure something out. Be curious to try to figure something out. Tell them that you want them to be curious to learn. You would like them to be curious to learn piano. And then tell them, if you're willing to try this out a couple times to see if some curiosity sparks there and you're interested in it, I would be more than willing to support you and pay for your piano lessons. But let's say at the end of those couple of piano lessons, you do not want to do it. I'm not going to call you a quitter. I'm not going to tell you you gave up. I'm just going to simply ask you to come up with two other ideas of something that you might be curious to do and learn. If you notice in there, I specifically stated to tell them you're not going to think they're a quitter and they're not going to be called a quitter, they're just making a choice. Words are very powerful, ladies and gentlemen. If you're fearful of your kid quitting, doing something that you think could be beneficial to their life, to their learning, maturity, it could be a team sport. You know, this could be something where a dad's like, hey, I want my son to play football. I played football. And you're trying to persuade them. You're trying to use gentle persuasion, which is not bad to try to get your kid to be interested in football. But if they say, I don't want to do this, don't say you're a quitter if you stop or don't be a quitter or you're going to quit at everything. You should use a reverse approach, a 3D approach and say, you know what? I don't care if you start and stop a hundred things because if you find that, I don't care if you start and stop a hundred things, because if you try a hundred different things, you just increased your odds that you're going to find your one thing. And once you find that one thing and you push yourself to a whole new level, in, if it's a physical activity like football, and you really want to do football and you're curious about it, you're going to push yourself to levels of disappointment, hard work, but you're going to have lots of happiness because you're, the, the work's going to pay off. But if you don't want to do football, you should be able to exercise your curiosity to try other things until you find your niche. When it's your thing, you own it, you bought it, 
you maybe you're not paying for it at this age, but you you're bought into it. Now you're going to be seeing all the life lessons you can learn from football, piano, basketball, uh, art, dance, whatever it is. But there's no life lessons to be learned if you have to do it, except one very harsh reality. Sometimes in life, you have to do things that you don't want to do, and you're just going to do it anyways. But when it comes to extracurricular activities, I don't think that should be the example we're using. When it comes to something like school, well, until the law changes and says we can pick our education and pick the things that we're interested in and want to learn at, you're going to have to do it. I would use schoolwork as something you have to do, but if the kid doesn't like the school he's going to, these different types of things uh, are unappealing about their teacher, always encourage them to stay into it, stay involved in it. But if it gets to a point where, let's say your kids are older, the normal traditional high school isn't working for them, then look at other opportunities for them to study so that they don't get burned out on that. But if you notice, that's not quitting, that's pivoting. That's changing the way you see the problem. Yeah, some things in life you just have to do. But the pleasurable things, your passions, that's the opposite of something you have to do. That's something you want to do. And because you want to do it, you're going to motivate yourself and you'll never be a quitter. You'll be someone who actually made a choice. And then later on, if you run down that course and figure out that you're not as interested as you used to be, then you make a different choice. So parents out there, be less fearful of your kids quitting and be more conscious of you not calling them a quitter and you being fearful that they're going to quit and instead give them options, give them opportunities and tell them whatever they decide to do, you want them to give it a good shot and a good run at it. And if they change their mind, that's fine, but they can't change their mind to going to do nothing, just change their mind to do something else. As always, follow us on Light the Fight. Uh, any social media that you're active on, um, and our iPod or our podcast can be found on iTunes, which is the podcast app. If you have an iPhone, there's a little purple app, and it looks like it has a microphone, like with a couple rings around it. Well, that purple app, you click that purple app, and it brings up a whole bunch of options. And one of those options is a search option. If you press search and you type in "light the fight." you're going to be able to subscribe to our uh, subscribe to our podcast through iTunes. And the reason why I'm giving you a little uh, specific way to find that is because sometimes people will find a podcast through an odd random source and don't even know that um, iTunes has it on your phone available. So you don't have to listen to it on a computer. And if that's the way you prefer to, great. But I just wanted you guys all to know out there, purple little button on your iPhone. And if not, you can find us on Google Play and anywhere else that podcasts are found, um, Spotify, uh, uh, Spreaker, Stitcher, those places as well. So thank you very much for visiting Light the Fight and being a part of our community and being a part of uh, these conversations. Because even though you're listening, I'm assuming you're a part of this conversation. Thanks as always for being a supporter of us. Until next time, have a good one. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.